Our scripture reading tonight is taken from Luke 6, uh, verses 1 through 11. And while you're looking uh, for that, it's on page 703 in the church Bible. Um, I'd like to remind you, if you don't have one, we've got them in the back uh, of the church right there. And if you, if you need one, if you don't have one at home, please take one of these home with you as a gift from Cornerstone. Uh, Luke 6, 1 through 11. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save life or to destroy it. He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. The word of the Lord. This week we're talking about the Sabbath or a day of Sabbath rest. Uh, we went through a sermon series a couple years ago. I don't even know if it was that long. Uh, it's called Sabbath in Simplicity. So if you want to learn more about this topic, it's more of like a, a biblical overview. It goes from Genesis to Revelation. You can uh, listen to that series on our website. Uh, but the Sabbath is an, a topic that has been really just interesting to me, and I hope that you'll um, catch a little bit of that interest as we go through it tonight. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this Sabbath commandment that we're going to be looking at, this, this story in Luke about the Sabbath. Uh, we're grateful to learn about it. We want to understand it. Uh, we want to uh, apply it correctly to our lives, and so I ask that your Holy Spirit would help us do that as we study your word. Uh, these are your words. This is uh, your truth, the Bible, and so help us understand. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the, the word Sabbath may be a little bit confusing to you. Maybe you're not familiar with what is the Sabbath. And so I wanted to start with that question. What is the Sabbath? And I have two different, two different definitions. One that's a little bit more modern and one that's a little bit more uh, ancient. So our first definition is uh, from Peter Scazzaro. He says, biblical Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. And then the second one is the Sabbath is Saturday. It's the holy day when Jewish people were commanded not to work. So our, our first definition, our top definition, is a little bit more modern, more, more for today in our context. And the 
The second definition is more just explaining, well, what was the Sabbath? What, what was the Sabbath to the nation of Israel? So that makes me wonder, well, does the Bible have a definition of Sabbath in it? And it does. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. This is, where, this is in the Ten Commandments. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now those of you that know the Ten Commandments know that there are some some, uh, I think it's, it's pretty fair to say that people agree with the majority of the Ten Commandments, right? You don't even have to be a Christian to agree with the Ten Commandments, that it's wrong to murder. Well, I shouldn't murder. I shouldn't steal. You know, it says, honor your father and mother, Fifth Commandment. No, uh, put God first. Love God first. First Commandment. But what about this commandment? This is the Fourth Commandment. Uh, do we throw this commandment out? <laughs> I feel like we choose most of the Ten Commandments and say, we're going to honor the other nine, but for some reason, we get rid of this one because this one only applied to the nation of Israel, the Old Testament people. We kind of cherry-pick it out. We would never do that with the other commandments. Now, I believe that Jesus fulfilled the entire law. That means he, in, he obeyed this Sabbath command perfectly. That means Jesus actually kept the Sabbath. Jesus kept a day as holy unto the Lord. And in our passage today in Luke 6, 1 through 11, Jesus is keeping the Sabbath. We see an example of it. And as followers of Jesus, I actually believe that we're to, to set aside a day of Sabbath rest. That as following Jesus, as, as what it means to be a disciple, to, to follow Christ, to, to obey him, I also think we're called to, to take a day of Sabbath rest. See, Jesus does not end the practice of Sabbath. He clarifies it. He doesn't say, stop doing the Sabbath. He says, here is how to have a Sabbath day. This is how you should do it. And in one sense, Jesus offers us his own definition. His own definition, first by saying kind of what it is not and then what it is. And we see this in our passage Tonight in Luke 6, 1 through 11. So I want us to go through this text and kind of wrestle with this topic of Sabbath. See where we end up on it. Luke 6, 1 through 2 tells us that the Sabbath is not a day for burdensome rules. The Sabbath is not a day for burdensome rules. It's not a day for legalism, for, for legislation, for things that weigh us down. Luke 6, 1 through 2. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So when the Pharisees, these religious teachers of the day, when they see the disciples uh, plucking these heads of grain, they say, ah, oh, they're breaking our laws. See, they counted kind of the acts of, of plucking these heads of grain. So plucking a head of grain, they, they counted as reaping. And a rubbing, they, they counted as threshing. 
and eating it, they counted as preparing a meal. And they considered all three of those acts to be unlawful, to be breaking the Sabbath, to be acts of work. Now, these rules about reaping and threshing and preparing a meal to eat something that would have been like small and gooey and probably tastes like you, you bought it at Whole Foods. <laughs> These rules don't come from the scriptures, but they're kind of based around the scriptures. See, the nation of Israel has a long history of breaking the Sabbath, of not honoring a day of rest unto the Lord. This is one of the reasons that God actually sent the nation of Israel into exile. Those of you that kind of know the story of the Old Testament know that the nation of Israel, they went into exile. And this is the reason, one of the reasons. And so when they came back from Israel, uh, from exile, uh, the, the people, the, the teachers, the religious people were very careful to say, let's create some extra rules, some extra boundaries so that we don't even get close to breaking the Sabbath law again. And so they created these lists of 39 activities on the Sabbath and the Mishnah that you weren't to do. <laughs> And the the disciples broke at least four of the activities, threshing, reaping, preparing a meal. Actually, preparing a meal is not one of those. But things silly like lighting a fire fire is actually scriptural too. Uh, Writing two letters is one of their things. You You could not write two letters or you could not erase two letters. They considered those things to be breaking the Sabbath. But it's not breaking the scripture, it was breaking their rules. It's like when you, so there's like this fence around the Sabbath that scripture puts there. They built a fence around the fence so you wouldn't even come close to the second fence. See, when the Pharisees added these rules and then used these rules to exert authority and power over others, what were they doing? They had created a religious system, right? That's what religion is. It's, it's using your rule book to make others feel bad and to follow you in, in your path, in your way. And their rules, their, their legalism, it created fear, anxiety, guilt. And so Jesus challenges all of these things. Jesus challenges all of these burdensome extra rules, So there's kind of a very simple application here in the first two verses. It's that the Sabbath is not a day for burdensome rules. (laughs) The Sabbath, a day of Sabbath rest is not a day that we should kind of worry about, are we doing it right? Like, how many steps did I take today? I got to make sure I don't go over like 5,000 on my Fitbit. Otherwise, God's going to be angry with me. It's not a day to feel anxious about because it's a gift to us from God. Now, just because the Sabbath is not a day for burdensome rules, does that mean it's not a day for rules at all? The Bible itself actually gives us some Sabbath rules. We just read some of them in Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments about not working, and there are, there are some others throughout there, not, not, not making sure that those under you are not working as well. 
So the Bible gives us in the Old Testament some, some ways to follow the Sabbath. And Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath on our behalf, right? He, he perfectly obeyed the Sabbath. He perfectly kept it. So does that mean that then we are free to do whatever we want on one day of the week, <laughs> on every day? I think you can get this interpretation. You know, some might say that you, know, you can treat any day as any other day based on Romans 14 when Paul talks about that. I encourage you to look that up, Romans 14, verses 5 and 6. Paul says to be fully convinced in your own mind about whether one day is special or not. I respect that, but I do think God provides us a day of Sabbath rest as a gift to us. And he gives us boundaries for a day of rest. See, Jesus did keep the entire law. He never murdered someone, but that doesn't mean that we can then go out and murder. And so part of what it means to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus into a day of rest. It's part of our discipleship. That's how I understand it. So I want to go back to the fence illustration, and I wanted to show you a picture of, uh, of a place outside my hometown. This is Trail Ridge Road. This is outside of Estes Park, Colorado, where I grew up. Uh, Trail Ridge Road is the highest continuous paved road in the United States. It reaches an elevation of 12,183 feet. So it's a pretty high paved road, and it's pretty scary when you drive it. And when you drive it, there are stretches of the road that have guardrails. <laughs> and there are stretches of the road like this that do not have guardrails. And which one, like which, which part do you think you feel better at? The part with the guardrails or the part without the guardrails? I certainly feel better with the part with the guardrails. I believe the, the, the correct way to understand the Sabbath is understand where God has placed the guardrails. And don't erect guardrails where God has not placed them. Try to understand the heart of this day of Sabbath rest. So I want us to look at now not what the Sabbath isn't, but what is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day for boundaries that liberate. Now maybe part of you is thinking, well, aren't you like contradicting yourself? <laughs> I thought you said there should be no rules. No, I said there should be no burdensome rules. No legalistic laws. So we're going to be looking at three boundaries, or if you like a better term, like principles of keeping Sabbath rest in our culture today that we can practice that hopefully set us free to enjoy a day of rest. They don't load up and make us feel guilty. That's not the purpose of them at all. So let's look at the first principle. The first boundary. One Sabbath is a day to have our needs met. Jesus answered these Pharisees when they were complaining about his disciples. He said, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. So in the book of 1 Samuel, an Old Testament book, in chapter 21, David is fleeing from King Saul. King Saul is trying to kill David because, because God, is, God is taking away the kingdom from Saul and giving it to David. 
And David's on the run with his men, and they don't have a lot of provisions. They don't have any food. And the, the closest food, the closest source of nourishment is this bread that the priests had consecrated. And so only the priests were supposed to eat it. And David says, give me the bread. <laughs> give my men this food. And they do. And they take it and they eat it. And so Jesus tells us this story, tells them that story. And we receive it today in the scriptures for two reasons. First, if David used consecrated bread to meet his needs, then we can use a day of Sabbath to meet our needs. The, the day of rest, the day of Sabbath, is a day set aside that God gives us to rest. And we see this actually in Mark. Mark 2.27 says, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So when we, and today in our environment, when we think about a day of Sabbath rest, we should think about a day that is set aside each week to meet our spiritual, our emotional, and our physical needs. Because as we go through our week, <laughs> we get poured out, right? If we're a glass of water, if we're a pitcher, if you don't like water, you can put something else in there like orange juice. If you're in a glass of orange juice, each day you get poured out a little bit more as you go through your activities, as you go to work, as you interact with your family. Well, when are you going to be filled back up? I think God gives us a day of rest each week in which we can be filled back up. So that then in the following week, we can be poured out again. So how can I be filled up spiritually? Maybe it's by spending time praying or reading your Bibles or singing or playing an instrument or listening to music. How can I be filled up emotionally? Well, spending time with your loved ones. Maybe your husband or your wife or your special someone or your kids. Maybe you invite your friends over to play games or watch a movie. This is a way that I can be filled up, filled up relationally. How can I be filled up physically? Well, take a nap. <laughs> Have a nice meal. Go out for lunch. Uh, or if you're one of our ushers, go for a, mile that, a run that is 60 miles long. <laughs> that's a great way if that fills you up. See, the Sabbath is a day to have our needs met, and all of us have different needs. We're all different. God created us each uniquely. And so what ways do you get filled up? God wants you to be filled up so that you can honor him and serve him as you go through your week. So the Sabbath is a day to have our needs met. That's the, the first reason is about, well, we can use this day just for that. And the second reason that Jesus tells this story that he references back to King David is that he is saying, well, there's this king, this King David, and you guys all know about him. Uh, to his original audience. He's the most famous king of Israel. And yet he was just a foreshadowing of a greater king to come. King David, he was actually a type of messianic figure. The Messiah was the anointed one that God had promised to the people of Israel. And King David modeled that in his time, but he was not the Messiah. And so when Jesus says this next line, that he is Lord of the Sabbath, he is saying, I'm the one that King David was pointing to. I'm the Messiah. I'm the anointed one. I'm God's only chosen king. And that means I actually have more authority than King David. And if King David had enough authority to eat consecrated bread, how much more authority do I have to say what can and cannot take place on the Sabbath? That's a pretty bold statement to say to those Pharisees back there in that field. <laughs> 
And this leads us to our second boundary. The Sabbath is a day to commune with Christ. Then Jesus said to him, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, throughout the Gospels, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. See, there's only one way to experience true Sabbath rest, and that is in Christ. That's through a relationship with Jesus. Back in the, in the book of Genesis, the, the, the very first book of the Bible, God rested on the seventh day. So we, we, if we were to, to go back to the creation account, Jesus, well, Jesus was there, but, but God created right on the first six days of the week. And their calendar started on Sunday, so Sunday through Friday, God created. But on the seventh day, it says he entered into rest. And the scripture actually never says that that day ended, that the seventh day never ended for God. And that tells us something. That tells us that God is still in a state of rest. That that God is still resting, that he, he has gone through his work of creation. And in God's original intention for people, for humankind, for Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were called to share in that rest with God, to to walk through the garden, to know God, to to share in that eternal Sabbath rest, to share in that seventh day. But we know that Adam and Eve, they ate the forbidden fruit and they disobeyed God and they were cast out of the garden. And so they were separated from God's eternal Sabbath rest. And the Bible is actually the story of people getting restored to that seventh day, to that eternal rest. Hebrews, this is the New Testament, Hebrews 4, 9 through 10 says this. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. So how can we enter into this eternal Sabbath rest? It's, it's waiting for us. It's inviting us. How can we enter in? Well, it's not by my works. <laughs> I'm not going to just like work really hard to get into God's eternal Sabbath rest. I, I can't be a good enough person. I can't like live my life well enough to enter into this. I'm broken. I'm fallen. I'm sinful. But the good news is, the gospel news is that Jesus invites us in. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. These are the words of Jesus that Jesus is speaking to us. Come to me. If you're weary, if you're burdened, I will give you rest. I will give you a rest that's different than just like a really good nap. I will give you an eternal Sabbath refreshment. See, we spend our whole lives looking for Sabbath. Like we, we spend our whole lives going through life and being unsatisfied, looking for like the next thing that we can consume that will make us feel better. <laughs> looking for that next thing that, that we can pour into ourselves with the hopes that we will finally be full. And we don't find it. <laughs> Even as Christians, we, we don't always feel satisfied, do we? We look for that, that, that Sabbath in experiences Maybe you're searching for your eternal Sabbath on the next vacation you go on or by, by watching sports or by exercising. But we still feel unsatisfied, don't we? 
and like we're, we're yearning for something more. See, we can't find eternal Sabbath rest in things. We can't find eternal Sabbath rest in experiences. We can only find it in a person, in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ, he is the eternal Sabbath rest. Sabbath is not so much a, a, a day of the week as it is a relationship with God. It's a, it's a time to be in communion with God. And God gives us a day to represent that, that we can spend in communion with him, with Christ Jesus, but we enter into this eternal Sabbath rest through a relationship with Christ. See, Jesus, he was there before time began, and so he understood what it meant to be rested. <laughs> he was in that seventh day. And yet, he stepped out of that into our world. Jesus stepped down into Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. He stepped down into our unrest, our chaos. And he, and he lived through that life, honoring God every day, taking the right amount of Sabbath days. And he went to the cross and he died. And he paid the penalty for our unrest, for our lack of Sabbath rest. He took on the chaos. He took on the unrest. And it perished with him. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. Now, if you repent of your sins and you put your faith in Christ, you get to experience some of the rest that he had. See, Jesus, through the cross, through his death, through his resurrection, is inviting you into the Sabbath, into that eternal day of rest. And so what does this rest look like? Is it a feeling? I think so, sometimes. But the rest that Jesus offers us is that we don't have to wake up today and be perfect so that God will be happy with me. That's, that's good news. That's rest for my soul <laughs> to know that I don't have to, to somehow work my way into heaven. Jesus gave us the, the, the rest of righteousness, saying that like, you're, you're holy before God. If you're in Jesus, if you know Jesus, you're holy before God. I don't have to prove myself. Well, that's rest. <laughs> Jesus came to liberate us from sin, so we're not, no longer slaves to sin. Well, that's rest. He makes us children of God alongside him. We're adopted by the Father. Now we're in relationship with the Father. That's rest. That's Sabbath rest. We have so much rest in Jesus. And God gives us a day of the week. See, like what I, what I like about Christianity is that it likes to make the intangible tangible. You guys might remember that like the local church, it's a picture of the universal church. In other words, Local gathered saints is a picture of all saints from all times and all places. Well, a day of Sabbath rest is a picture of the, the eternal Sabbath rest that we have with Christ. When we take a day out of the week to stop and to be with our Heavenly Father, the one we love, and, and those around us, our family, our friends, to worship God, we're saying I don't have to always be working. <laughs> I don't always have to be under stress. I can actually waste a day 
and God will be perfectly pleased with me. <laughs> That's really good news. You don't have to, to be at the pinnacle of like productivity <laughs> every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. God invites you into a day of laziness just so that you can be in relationship with him. That's what it means to be in communion with Christ. We don't have to work hard for God to love us. Christ worked hard so that God could love us. And now Christ invites us into that rest through a relationship with him. Now, a question to ask is, are you practicing this? Are you experiencing a day where your needs are being met? Are you experiencing a day of spending time with Christ throughout your day? Maybe you don't have to be praying the whole day, but are you experiencing communion with Christ? Uh, one of the handouts that you would have gotten, uh, I think they're on the chairs, uh, is a Sabbath assessment quiz. I would encourage you, after the service, not right now, <laughs> after the service, go through it, read the questions, Test yourself and then look at the answers on the back. Don't look at the answers yet. And, and see how you do. Go through that assessment and, and, and be honest and say, yeah, I need to work on this a little bit. Or maybe you're encouraged and say, I do have a day of rest with my Lord. So first, Sabbath is a day to have our needs met. Second, Sabbath is a day to commune with Christ. And third, Sabbath is a day to do good things. In verses 6 through 11, Jesus, on another Sabbath, he goes into a synagogue. And there's a man there with a withered hand, so a disabled hand, he couldn't use it. His right hand. And the Pharisees, who love their legalism, who love their rules, think that maybe Jesus is going to break another one of their commandments by healing on the Sabbath, one of, another one of their extra-biblical commandments. See, they believed that you weren't allowed to heal on the Sabbath except for life-threatening emergencies. And Jesus asks this in verse 9. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it? Then Jesus goes on to heal the man, <laughs> proving that he's right, that he has the authority, and proving that it's right to do good things. And the, the Pharisees are like furious. They're angry because they recognize who Jesus is claiming to be. Only God has that authority. Only, only the Messiah has the authority to, to, to set the limits on Sabbath rest. And they don't believe. <laughs> they begin to plot against Jesus. They're filled with fury. Jesus isn't saying anything bad here. He's saying it's, it's good to do good on your day of rest. And sometimes, I'm ashamed to admit, Jesus calls me to do good things on my kind of dedicated day of rest, and I actually get a little furious just like these Pharisees sometimes. <laughs> See, I don't really like doing manual labor, <laughs> especially on the day that I'm supposed to be resting. So I can have a pretty bad attitude when someone's like, moving day, Sunday, come help me. And I'm like, no. But the Lord calls us to do good things. And I, I'm so grateful for all the people that come out on their days, their rest days, to help me. 
And most importantly, we're, we're grateful for Christ that he came to help us. <laughs> and so we get to enter in to this day to be refreshed, to commune with Christ, and also to do good things. The Sabbath is not a day for burdensome rules, but the, the Sabbath is a day for boundaries or principles that liberate, that, that come from the Scripture. See, there's a, there's a tension here, right? On the one hand, we don't want to be burdened by a day of legalism, where we're just going through the motions because this is what we have to do. We have a, an unhappy heart because of it. But on the other hand, we, we don't want to run over our day of rest. We don't want to, if God has given us a day of rest that we can have, we, we don't want to ignore it. And so how do we do this? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a little bit more um, left brain type A. Like I, I need some help here. <laughs> I need some, some boundaries. I need some clear guidelines. So I created a case study for us to do. A case study of a, of a guy named Joshua. He attends Cornerstone Congregational Church. No, there's no actual guy named Joshua that attends this church. Uh, but he came up with kind of Sabbath boundaries to define like, okay, so how can, how can Joshua enter into a day of rest in a way that honors God that isn't legalistic? And he thankfully has asked us as a church to review his Sabbath day plan. So we're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to wrestle with this. First, his goal. His goal for a day of Sabbath rest. His goal, rest from work. Feel refreshed, spend time with Jesus, family, and friends. Well, I think this is biblical. I think this is based on what we've seen. I don't, I don't see any legalism in this. It's a goal, right? Sometimes you're going to meet your goals. Sometimes you're not going to meet your goals. But that's kind of the goal for the day. Next, he decides on, okay, so if it's supposed to be a day, one day out of seven, I need to figure out, you know, when am I going to rest? Well, his family, they decide our Sabbath day starts at church Saturday at 5 and lasts till Sunday at 5. Historically, the Jewish Sabbath has started at 6 p.m. on Friday or sundown and goes to sundown, so 24 hours. Now, of course, John, uh, Josh, uh, he, he attends the greatest church in the world, Cornerstone. And so he kind of kicks off his day of Sabbath rest by going to church and volunteering on the welcome team. But then he's like, okay, I got to make this even more specific. I got to write down some boundaries, some guidelines for me and my family. And so he writes down what his Sabbath is and what it isn't. He says, well, our Sabbath is a day to spend time with Jesus at church through worship and at home through personal and family devotions and prayer. That's what he'd like to do on this day of rest. He says, it's a day to spend time with my wife and children, eating meals, playing outside in games, going on family outings, watching a movie together. It's a day for our family to spend time with friends. It's a day for each of us to have some alone time, being refreshed or doing what we enjoy, watching football, hiking, painting, reading, napping. It's a day for us to love and serve, to serve and love others in need. See, when I look at these boundaries, I do see them being based on the heart 
of Sabbath. It's a day set aside to be filled up spiritually, emotionally, physically. I see intentional communion with Christ, but I do see some dangers in here. Anytime you start to write things down, what are you in danger of? You're in danger of rules and regulations and legalism. And of course, if he sees someone that, you know, maybe they, you know, don't like watching movies on, on their Sabbath day, well, he can stand in judgment over them. So I would say, well, this is for you. This is how God has created you. Maybe someone else is filled up differently than you. And so, so, that, so, so that these things don't become pharisaical rules, hold them loosely. And then he writes, what is Sabbath is not. He says, his Sabbath, Joshua's Sabbath, is not a day to check emails, finish work projects, or do homework from school. It's not a day to do housework, chores, or home improvement projects. It's not a day to overconsume media or overcommit to sports. Finally, it's not a day centered on me, but on Christ. I actually think it's harder to come up with the list of things you won't do <laughs> because you don't want to become legalistic. And yet, we need to rest. Our, this day of Sabbath rest needs to look different than the other days of the week. We need to stand out in a culture that says every day is just like every other day. We want to we be a bold witness. And so my encouragement to Joshua would be to hold these principles, these goals loosely, but they're good. I hope these boundaries don't feel like legalism to you, but, but they actually set you free. See, if I, if I commit to a day where I'm not going to overconsume media or, or check my email, what does that do? That actually frees me, <laughs> right? I'm no longer bound to my work schedule. I'm bound to Christ. I'm no longer like bound to staring at a computer screen all day and getting bleary eyes. I can look outside and go and enjoy the weather. I'm set free. I get to spend time with the ones I love. Instead of being apart from them, and I'm apart from them all the other days of the week, I'm set free to live as God created me. This is kind of an interesting exercise. I'd encourage you to talk about it with your family. Some of us need things like this to help us understand how to rest, and some of us don't because we're good at resting naturally. But maybe you and your family can talk about the sorts of things that you want to do and the things that you don't want to do and have a conversation about what would a day of Sabbath rest look like for us. So go home and create a plan if you want to. Here's my closing big idea. A Sabbath is a day of need, a day of communion, a day of good things. We're going to close by singing resting place. The first verse says, my faith has found a resting place, not in my work or deed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. The song is saying, I, I found a resting place, and it's not in what I can do. It's what Christ has done on my behalf. See, we can take a day to rest with Jesus because we already have a day of eternal rest in Jesus. One symbolizes the other. See, we're saying on our Sabbath, it's not about my work, it's about his. 
That's what Sabbath is all about. The Sabbath is a day of need, a day of communion, a day of good things. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace, for your love. Thank you that you give us a day to rest every week. Father, would you help us be wise about that? We don't want it to become legalistic. We don't want it to become burdensome. But we do want to be set free from those other things that burden us. This is a tension. This is a paradox. We can only figure it out through your Holy Spirit. We can only rest through the Holy Spirit, through a relationship with Jesus. Help us do that. Pray for the offering. Uh, Father, would would it be enough? Uh, Would it help us run as a church and help us rest? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.